Good morning, Calvary. Uh, as we were in worship, I felt, um, this doesn't happen very often, I, I really did feel uh, the Holy Spirit impressing on my heart that um, there are people in our church family who have a real desire for godly friendship in this time of life. Um, if that's you, I'm praying for you this morning. And I know that um, something like a church picnic can seem um, pretty routine. I want to really highlight that as an opportunity to come together as a church and not just um, see the faces you're used to seeing Sunday after Sunday, but actually um, making some steps, maybe they're little steps, but making some steps to uh, reaching deeper into um, our neighbor's lives and cultivating a godly friendship. I know this is something on my heart and my own life as well as I'm pursuing friendships is that like we need people who we're doing life with, who share our faith, and who will encourage us to grow deeper in our relationship with God. And so uh, use this picnic time. Maybe invite someone over to your home for dinner or uh, go on a walk with someone. Uh, this is a really great opportunity. Uh, that was just a short side note. My name is Reese. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's lovely to have you here this morning. If you're new, special welcome to you. And if you're online as well, we pray for you as you watch online. Uh, we've been in this series simply called Faithful. We are highlighting, we're celebrating this core attribute of God, and we are looking at different stories throughout the narrative we see in Scripture uh, where God really proves himself to be faithful. This has been an encouraging experience for me uh, as I've read through Scripture and turned pages and looked at how God has really been faithful towards his people. Uh, in our first week, we looked at our own tendency to forget. Just like the Israelites, we forget God's faithfulness to us. But despite our forgetfulness, God remains faithful to us. And we looked at different passages in the book of Exodus. And similarly, last week, we looked at deep in our human condition, this tendency to be faithless, to put our trust and our loyalty, our belief in other things that aren't God. But despite that faithlessness, God pursues us. He welcomes us. He invites us into a loving relationship with him, faithfulness. This week, um, we are going to look at how we can reflect God's faithfulness in our own lives. When I think about this topic, I think of my grandmother. She was born in England just before the Second World War. And on her street where she grew up, the first bomb dropped during the Blitzkrieg. Her father, um, my great-grandfather, was a theologian and professor in biblical Greek at the London School of Theology at the time. And she immigrated when she married my grandfather and throughout her whole life, there was this deep, deep love for Jesus. And it was infectious. 
my grandmother was known as that kind of person who you couldn't be in a conversation with without Jesus just kind of flowing out in the conversation. Um, My mom always tells stories about how she would bring friends over and she would kind of have to close her eyes and clench because she knew grandma was going to evangelize to her friends. So it was just her 92nd birthday and you can still find her at the McDonald's on the corner sharing the gospel with strangers. Like it is just a sold out love for Jesus and her whole life has been faithful to God and to the people around her. I even think of when I arrived at Calvary almost two years ago, one of the things I noticed really quick was that many of the people who were serving and leading in um, high capacity at this church had been doing so for 20, 30, 40 years and more. And it was really inspiring to me. I had just from, come from a culture in which we talked a lot about church hopping. I don't know if that's a familiar term to you. Church hopping is when you go to a different Sunday service each week and you uh, assess whether or not this is uh, the right church for you and whether or not they're worthy of your presence and your service. Um, not that there's a bad thing in seeking out a church family in which you could belong, but this was kind of this hobby in a sense. Um, and I'm sure this idea is pretty foreign to a number of you here at Calvary. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to a people, to a project, and to a mission. People who reflect the faithfulness of God to the people around them. It's been very, very inspiring for me to watch. And it's so crucial for us to be inspired by the faithfulness of the saints who have come before us. And this morning, we'll be reminded of some of these people, and we'll look into their stories. And this is what we're going to eventually center around today. Who is our preeminent example of faithfulness? It's Jesus. Only Jesus comes out on top. And so would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. And I thank you so much that your faithfulness is reflected through people. That we can look back into the past and be inspired by those who were faithful to you, place their trust and belief in you. We can look around in the present and be inspired And we're really grateful that ultimately we look to you, Jesus, as one who was faithful through adversity and agony and darkness, someone who never gave up. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So often we reduce our faith to a set of beliefs. To a, uh, to a doctrine. It's a, we say when someone asks us, oh, I believe in God, or I believe in 
the Bible or I believe in Christianity. And the reality is, is that following Jesus or Christianity or faith, it's so much more than just I believe this. It's actually a lifestyle. It's a way of life. That was the early church. They were referred to as the way. It is a way of life. In our faith, it's a life pilgrimage. Just kind of like the language that theologian Eugene Peterson said, it's discipleship is this long obedience in the same direction. Acted out. It consists of trusting in the promises of God and pursuing a life of holiness that honors and glorifies him. It's one of the reasons I love chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. It is an amazing passage of scripture because the author of Hebrews lists the heroes of the faith that have lived lives of faithfulness to God. They've reflected the faithfulness of God. And so some people call Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. Uh, I don't know how much I love that. Uh, it's just probably people who love sports too much who read the Bible called the hall of faith. Um, really, it's just a list of people and reciting stories and summarizing stories of people who were faithful in their generation. So the author's purpose of this letter to the Hebrews is to address these individuals who have left the faith, who have stopped believing in Jesus. And the purpose of the letter is to help these believers or these former believers rekindle their love for Jesus and rekindle their fire for the gospel. And the author does this so well. Part of that is helping them understand that they're part of a bigger story, just like we are. And so the author highlights the faithfulness of Old Testament saints like Enoch and Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, and so many more. In the last few weeks, we've taken a deeper look at Moses, which is someone that this author highlights. So uh, if you have your Bibles, could you open up with me to Hebrews chapter 11? And we're going to start at verse 23. Hebrews 11, verse 23, and there should be a slide that pops up right behind me. Let's read together. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be, the, be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And we're going to pause right there. Moses is someone who reflected the faithfulness of God to the people around him. The writer of Hebrews just names a few examples from Moses' life, choosing to deny leadership in Egypt to be with his people, to stand in solidarity with his people. Left Egypt to trust God in the wilderness and be in danger. 
kept the Passover as a celebration of God's faithfulness to them. Moses reflected this faithfulness to the people around him. He's a man who poured out his blood, his sweat, and his tears towards the flourishing of his people and towards the glory of his God. He was fearless and faithful. Someone who we celebrate. And when I read the life of Moses, I don't know about you, I'm inspired. It stirs my soul when I read the life of Moses. I want to meet with God like Moses met with God. I want to have conversations with God like Moses had with God. I want to pastor and I want to lead people like Moses did. I want to amplify the works of God when our culture tries to hide him, just like Moses did. Moses stands amongst very, very few when it comes to living a life that reflects the faithfulness of God. It doesn't end here, though, for the writer of Hebrews. So continue with me in verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, or made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. The writer of Hebrews, if we pause right there, continues to summarize the lives of faithfulness lived by these Old Testament Israelite heroes and other heroes from the past. It's an amazing list. It reminds me of when I was younger, I would sit in my dad's car right in the passenger seat and we would go on uh, long drives to go to sports games. And my dad had one of the most epic CD collections of all time. They lined his drawers in his car and the doors and little compartments, and it was just, take your pick. They were all classics. One of the CDs I always pulled out when I would go on a drive with my dad was um, a YouTube Greatest Hits collection. 
and it had zero skips. It was just classic after classic after classic, and we would just jam out the whole ride. This kind of reminds me of the U2 Greatest Hits collection. And so when I read this, the author writes in this kind of shrugging sort of manner, like, what more should I say? It speaks for itself. The lives of people faithful to God helped shape events like the splitting of the Red Sea or the fall of Jericho's walls, shutting the mouths of lions. And it's, it's faithful people of the past who endured torture, mockery, imprisonment, so much worse. Faithful people of whom the writer says the world was just not worthy. I love how the writer of Hebrews has these stories and names woven into this letter for these forgetful believers that this letter is addressing to, to kind of look at it and say, I remember what it's like to live a life in relationship with God. It's meant to evoke something that was lost. They're part of a bigger story. The author of Hebrews reminds us as we read lists of significant people and events that these aren't just myths and fables relegated to the past. They're not just pieces for a museum. We're reminded that the faithfulness of those who have come before us actively shapes us today. This is something that, this is an area we kind of flop in in Protestantism. I think we feel like the past can be irrelevant. And we don't celebrate the lives and the, fa the faithful lives of people who have come before us. It's an encouragement for us to do so. The faithfulness of people who have come before us, it really does actively shape us today. We participate and complete this pilgrimage that's been walked by those who have come before. We're involved in this relay race. And we receive this baton that's been passed to us by faithful people like Moses and Ruth and David and Daniel and Esther and Peter, James, John, Paul, so many more, and then we hand it off once more. That's what we're a part of. Theologian James Edwards says this beautifully. He says, the faithfulness of our forebears is completed in our faithfulness, and our faithfulness is completed in the faithfulness of those yet to come. That's the church. That is the church. We're a part of a vast, faithful family that spans timelines, all in an effort to make great, to amplify in our world, in our time, the name that is above every other name. It's the church. So continue with me. We're going to read in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? What happens here in this letter is that after all the heroes of the faith, the writer of Hebrews lists, takes time to highlight after summarizing some of these amazing events, these iconic moments in the Old Testament, after this deep inspiration we get from this cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by, we look to only one, and that's Jesus of Nazareth, the pioneer of it all, the perfecter of faithfulness, the one who faithfully endured the cross and all its shame to sit at the right hand of his Father. Jesus is the preeminent example of faithfulness. The text in Hebrews 12, it might have had your mind going back to Luke chapter 22, a scene in which Jesus finds a moment for himself in a garden praying the night before he was going to be crucified and killed. And here's what we read in in verses 42 to 44. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. When we observe the life of Jesus, it's so easy to notice how faithful Jesus was throughout every action, every story that we observe. There are many times that Jesus could have made the very human decision to waver from the mission that was set before him. Like, how many obstacles does he have to confront? Never wavers. Never. And what we see in Luke 22, it's this emotional struggle with agony and darkness that was before him. The kind that would really have anyone abandoning their posts and running for the easier road. He knew it was coming. Jesus, he's hoping, he's desperately hoping and praying that there's another way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And as we read Jesus' prayer, we notice a few things. Number one, it's this affirmation of the humanness in the divine Son of God. That's what we get. And it's an expression of deep emotion from Jesus that affirms he's someone who we can relate to just as he relates to us. And what's absolutely impossible to miss as we read this text in Luke 22 is that Jesus is faithful. If there was a moment of faithful faithlessness that would have occurred in the life of Jesus, this would have been that moment, but it's just not. Jesus presses on in prayer in order to carry to completion what would ultimately be the atonement for our sin and our wrongdoing. 
the strength and resolve that Jesus maintained to remain faithful. And this is really important for where we're going to land in this message. Was drawn from a deep love for the Father, a deep relationship, intimate relationship with the Father, and a deep love and affection for other people. Here in this moment, he draws strength from a loving Father. Um, and the appearance of an angel that really shows that kind of relationship, that grace that's on his life, that gives him strength to continue praying, to continue pressing on, to carry on to completion what would be the atonement for our sins. This secret to Jesus' faithfulness that we see throughout the Gospels, it's, like, it's just hidden in plain sight for us. The secret to Jesus' remarkable faithfulness and commitment, it's connection. It's connection. His faithfulness, it was a byproduct or fruit of relationship with the Father. Let's go into that a little bit more. So, I think of those who were listed in Hebrews 11, that text that we just read. All remarkably faithful people to God and the people around them. Their faithfulness, this is something we can't miss. It came from a deep intimacy with the Father. Not one person in that chapter was mentioned, that, not one person that was mentioned, not one of them was far from God. These heroes of the faith that we admire and that we are inspired by had a deeply close relationship with God. They chased him down. They climbed mountains, wandered deserts, sang to him in caves. That was their life. That was the kind of affection they had for God. And then we look at Jesus stopping at nothing for a moment with his father. Everywhere he went, retreating to be with him. He could have done it all himself, couldn't he? And the people around him, they kind of tried to egg him on in a sense to use all that authority and all that divinity, but he didn't. Why? Jesus was modeling for us how to live a life of faithfulness. He was modeling it for us. The only way we can truly be faithful people is if we abide in Jesus just as Jesus abided in the Father. That is how we live faithful lives. We abide in Jesus just as Jesus abided in the Father. In Jesus' great teaching on discipleship, in John chapter 15, he says, those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. Paul, he expands on this idea a bit, talks about this fruit in his letter to the Galatians. He says in chapter 6 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness is a fruit of connection to Jesus, of connection to the Spirit, connection to the Father. And we might be wondering to ourselves why faithfulness, this attribute, why it's absent from our lives. 
We're looking for it, but it's nowhere to be found. We need to ask ourselves this question, church. Are we abiding in Jesus? Are we connected to Jesus? Worship team, I want to invite you guys up. We might read in Hebrews 11 and look at the lives of these faithful people. We might look at Jesus' life and think, I want that. We're inspired and we think, I want that. I want what Moses had. I want what David had. I want what Ruth had. On and on it goes. We think to ourselves, why don't we have what they had? And that's when we start to think that these are myths, they're fables, relegated to the past. That kind of relationship with God, that kind of intimacy with God, that was for that time and that era, not for this one. We're so wrong in thinking that. We're so wrong in thinking that. The only way we live as faithful people, like those who have come before us, is if we abide in Jesus. Then we bear that fruit in our lives. So many of us, we desire to live that life of faithfulness to God and to the people around us. But we haven't invested in that deep relationship with him, that deep relationship with Jesus that's necessary to get there. We're missing something key there. And so church, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I don't know, but I don't think any of us are sitting here satisfied with anything less than what we see in the lives of these faithful people who have come before us. We, we cannot settle. We must abide in Jesus and abide in our Father just as those who came before us. And if you're sitting here with a deep desire to live a more faithful life, I want you to ask yourself this question. How can you cultivate a more intimate relationship with Jesus today? What needs to be done? What I want us to do now is I'd love for you to just pray with me. And if you are finding yourself here this morning and you feel distant from God, disconnected from Jesus, and you notice that, and what you also notice is that there's been an absence in your life of those habits, those practices, those disciplines that really invest in a deep relationship with Jesus. If you're finding that's you, I just want you to pray with me for a moment. And we're gonna just acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit here in this place. And that there's, there's this trust and there's this belief that a life of faithfulness, that's not just 
for those in the past. That can be us today. And so would you bow your heads and pray with me? Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you're here and that you're moving. Jesus, we're inspired by your faithfulness. So perfect. Many of us, we find ourselves here this morning wanting more. We want our lives to emulate those the lives of those faithful people who have come before us. Jesus, would you reveal to us right now, just as we pause for a moment, what needs to be done? And Jesus, as we reflect, Maybe in our lives there's this sense of shame that's coming up or this, this guilt. We know that's not of you. And so we just say, Satan, you have no place here. So receiving the grace that marks your character, God. In humility, we acknowledge that there's stuff that's missing from our lives and that we aren't investing in relationship with you like we ought to be. So Holy Spirit, help us. You are the helper. Help us draw closer to you. Be more connected to the vine so we might bear that fruit of faithfulness. And as, as we leave here this morning, would this not be a decision in our hearts that stays in this sanctuary? But would this be something that nags us throughout the week, throughout the next month, throughout the next year and the years to come? That we would feel a holy dissatisfaction for the ordinary. And that we would envision and chase lives of faithfulness that only come through connection and relationship with you. And as we worship God, we honor and we glorify you. We want to sit in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.